Grab a cup of joe and gather round the hay bale with your hosts, Alicia from Country Mama Musings, Casey from Ormsby Farms, Casey from Boots and Bounty Homestead, Lisa from Yogi Hollow Farm, and Monica from Bland's Promised Land Ranch. Now, here they are. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Round the Hay Bale. I'm Alicia. I'm Casey. I'm Casey. I'm Lisa. And I'm Monica. And welcome back to the Hay Bale. Today's episode we are very excited about because we have Gray from Gray Men Prepping that's here to talk with us all things prepping. Yeah, that's exciting. I love me some gray. Love me some gray. So we'll be bringing him up later on in the show. But how has everybody's week been? Alicia, how's your week been? Oh, my week has been cold and quiet and we're just enjoying winter time. I know people have a hard time understanding that, but we're still under several inches of snow here. And so we've just kind of been spending time around the farm. I've been doing a lot of canning this week using my Nesco pressure canner. I know that excites Monica. Look at her face light up. And I know Lisa will be getting her soon. Uh, but I just got all kinds of stuff done. So there'll be some videos coming out for that later. But that's basically what I did is we enjoyed uh, some time together here on the farm while hubby still had to work in these frigid conditions. And uh, I got some canning done. What about you, Monica? What did you do this week? Well, we started back some of our school activities this week. As a lot of you know, I have um, quite a few children that I homeschool. Um, my oldest two have graduated. And so I have six that are finishing up. Well, six that are in school right now. My older daughter is graduating this year. So um, we are finishing up some of the curriculum that we need to do, but we are more excited because we just started our co-op and our new drama club. So <clears throat> we're a part of a drama club that my kids belong to. They absolutely love it. And Friday was auditions. And my kids usually like super stress over auditions and they run around all week trying to like find the, you know, 60 second monologue that they have to perform. And they went in there and killed it on Friday. And I was so excited because everybody's guaranteed a part. It's not like some crazy elaborate performance, but our week was kind of like, don't forget, we've got a, we've got starting up on Friday. Everything kind of led up to Friday. So it was a busy week, but it was fun. And Friday was great. And the kids got their parts emailed to them last night. And um, yeah, so my daughter and my older son, the 13 year old got the, two of the lead roles and the other two kind of fill in the blanks and I'm so excited. So we had a good week. It was, it was a good week otherwise. And I did some planting and some other things around here and I did some canning. So that was good too. So it was a really, it was a lovely week. I enjoyed it. So how about you, Lisa? It's been a good week. Um, you know, we've had unseasonably warm temperatures uh, here this this weekend. We were actually in the 50s, which is unheard of. We should be in the teens. Um, and so it, it was nice to get outside. I couldn't believe we were able to get our soil test done this time of year. Um, we had a bit of frost, but not too bad. We were able to get that done. But it's just, it's been a nice week. You know, everybody's feeling better here. Um, and 
it was just actually really nice to get a lot of things done on the farm that needed to be done, like, you know, cleaning things out and stuff like that, because you could, because things weren't frozen. So it was really, really nice and enjoyable. But other than that, just getting ready for spring, we've got the the seed table back up. We got that all set up because we had to change that uh, arrangement. Um, so looking forward to getting moving on that kind of stuff. So this year we're going to try and experiment and do some seedlings a lot earlier than the typical six weeks before your last frost uh, to see if we can have a lot more mature plants go out into the garden. That way maybe they'll produce a lot quicker um, because as you know, we didn't get tomatoes until, you know, like August last year. And even then they were all green by the time the first frost came again. Uh, and that's because we just don't get that hot. We don't have hot, humid weather, which tomatoes love. We don't have that at all. So, um, but yeah, so we're looking, looking forward to the good stuff in the spring, but we're going to be getting cold this week. It's supposed to be, um, you know, a couple nights of negative temperatures and then right back up again. So we'll see how it goes. How about you, Casey? Lady well, Casey. Me? Okay. Um, well, it wasn't really a too busy of a week. Um, of course I filmed all week doing the pantry challenge and I've been watching my little baby plants over here grow every day and keeping them watered and babies. Um, and just about everything is almost two inches tall and that's my spring stuff that'll go out, um, next month. So I've got about two more weeks of this stuff inside and then everything should go outside and be okay. Um, the kids are going to school. Um, Emma is doing horse judging, and she's in that with FFA, Future Farmers of America. She's been doing that and practicing. They actually go to state in March, so she's been practicing for that. Um, Logan's just being Logan. He's just, you know, playing around, doing whatever. Um, this weekend, we got everything prepped and ready for the week because Stephen started his new job this morning. So he is signing his life away this morning and getting all his paperwork done. And so he'll be he'll be starting that and the house will be quiet all morning because nobody will be here. So <laughs> it will definitely be a change for me because I'm used to Stephen being here and the house being crazy and, you know, getting stuff done during the day. Well, that won't happen anymore because he'll be working um, during the morning times and I won't see him till about lunchtime or so. But anyways, that was exciting, and we, we've prepped all week getting ready for him to be starting work today. So that was our week. Not not too much going on as of yet. So what about you, Mr. Casey? Same, really. We've had a, a quiet week relatively. We were at the farm a couple times this week prepping um, the greenhouse, which is going to be my headache. I can already tell that. We've cleaned, um, I like to say like a hundredth of the entire greenhouse in about 24 hours. So it's a slow process. I'm also like my twin Casey, uh, watching my baby seedlings every day. We have our onions and herbs um, and they're getting pretty big. This is my first year growing the onions and herbs from seed. So I'm glad that I haven't killed them yet. It's been about a week and a half. <laughs> right, Lisa, cheers. Um, and we had our roadside assistance watchathon last week, which I'm so thankful that uh, many people tuned in as they did. 
I did want to put out, because some people were saying, Casey, you looked crazy in those videos. I was very, very sick when we were shooting that season. I got back from roadside assistance uh, shooting, and I had a triple infection in my uh, sinuses, in my ear, and in my teeth, and then had mm. eight teeth pulled about five days afterwards. So when people saw that season, yes, I was very sick. I was not on wine the whole time. I really actually was very, very sick yeah. shooting that season. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because I think people were DMing me. It was two, three years ago, y'all, so I'm good. Don't You don't have to DM me. I'm so sorry. It was a while ago when we shot that. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there. But yeah. Um, and we did our soil test. Like Lisa, we did our soil test this weekend. And um, we'll talk about them more in the episode. But we have a new sponsor on the hay bale. And we're so grateful to have mysoiltesting.com uh, sponsor us. So, so yeah, that was my week in a nutshell. Well, that's great. Y'all, thanks so much for joining us in the chat here at Round the Hay Bale. We are shooting this episode live for podcast distribution, so our hosts will not be able to chat with you or answer questions. From the chat. Line. A huge thanks to our producing moderators, Miss Brenda from Redburn Farm and Scott from Rambling with the Brooms for assisting us by answering all questions and dropping links in the live chat. Y'all, I was on mute. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a question, please tag one of our mods and use the capital Q to ask your question. Since this month is preparedness month around the hay bale, we thought we would have an episode all about prepping. So let's start off by uh, talking about what is the number one important thing for you guys. You want to go, Lisa? For prepping? Yeah. What's the number one thing you need to have stocked up? Protein. That's the first thing I always think of is protein. You know, what can be a good source of protein if I run out of everything else? What protein can I have on hand? So, you know, canned meats, canned tuna, canned chicken, um, things like that are things that I think of often. Beans, um, that's that's my biggest thing is making sure that we have tons of protein. You can have all the other stuff. Um, and yes, we, we need it for a full, complete diet. And I get that. But I always think of I need protein to give us energy. Um and, you know, that's what helps you stay fuller longer. So that's what you're going to need in a situation where you may not have all the bounty that you prefer. How about you, Monica? Um, well, beyond that, um, I think the one that I'm always concerned with and the one that I replenish the most or constantly check the most is my homeopathy stash, my medicine stash, all my medicinals, all my natural stuff. I am always going through that, always checking it. I think I check that probably more than my food stash. It's probably not that great that I do that, but my, my medicinals, all of my natural stuff, I'm constantly going through making sure that I have backup because it always finds, I always find myself giving away stuff. A friend says, Oh, I'm sick. I'm doing this. And I'm like, I have something for that. Do you want to try it? Sure. I give them my only one. So I'm always trying to have backup and restock that area the most because 
not only for myself, but anybody that's around me that might need it. So that's the one that I think that I really find the most important in our house is preparing and having all my medicinals all stored up in my drawers and um, organized so that I can get them readily. So what about you, Alicia? I think for me, anytime I think about prepping here on the farm, my most important thing is water. Um, We are on a well, so I can't just turn on my faucet sometimes and have readily accessible water. So we always try to have not only access to stored water, which is sitting right in front of me. I'm sitting at my kitchen island and in the front of my kitchen island, gone is the beautiful shiplap. You can't see it anymore because I have about 30 gallons of water in cases stacked in front like a case wall of water. Um, Because if we lose access to that well, we lose access to our water. We do have a generator that will work on propane and on diesel. And that will, it is enough. It's a 220. So it will work that water pump. But if I have advanced notice that we're going to be having a blizzard, I fill up the bathtub. I make sure our water stores are in order. If we're in the, in the summertime and something happens, if we have a tornado and maybe all of my stuff has blown away, I have backup water reserves in different areas of the farm and i also have a diy homemade water system for berkey i made my own berkey and heaven forbid we are absolutely down to the bare bones and nobody can get to us for a week got a creek right down the street i can go down to the creek we can get some creek water and we can filter our own water so for us it's the water and a lot of people even they don't realize you can become dehydrated in the cold of winter you have to still have water. We can go several days without food, but we're going to get dehydrated very quickly and we have to replenish the water. So, um, and it's also important for cooking our food if we're here on the farm for a week, 10 days without any outside help. We've been snowed in here for eight days at a time. Nobody's coming to help. It's all on us. So I think whenever we know something's coming, the first thing I think of is the water. Uh, What about you, Lady Boots? Well, I'm sitting here thinking, um, I agree with you guys. And that, that was some of the first things that I thought of too. You know, we've got to have food sources. We've got to have water. We've got to have medicinals because we never know what's going to happen. And medicinals goes along, you know, with the first aid kits that, you know, you guys had talked about when I was absent. Um, But one other thing that I thought of, and I I was debating on which one to throw up here. Um, First would be a heat source, some kind of heat source, because whether it's wintertime or whether it's summertime, we have tornadoes. So we're right here in Tornado Alley. So we need some kind of heat source, whether it's like in in the wintertime, you'll need it to keep warm as well as to cook. And in the summertime, you'll need it you know, to cook then as well, not really for a heat source. So you need to think of one that you can have indoors and outdoors Um, We have our Blackstone that we can cook outside, and then we have our um, little butane eyes that we can use on the inside just for quick heating. And then we've recently started collecting old oil lamps that put off a lot of heat. We could actually, you know, close off a room and we could heat a room with oil lamps um, because we don't want to use kerosene or anything like that. But you've got to think about being stocked up on how to refuel those things. You need your propane tanks. You need your butane tanks. You need um, your oil that goes in your oil lamps or something like that. And you can even go beyond and research on how to reproduce those things and be sustainable, even without having to purchase those things. So there are ways to be able to um, 
to get your heat sources without using those types of things, but you know, other ways to make your own heat source as well. So what about you, Casey? I'd have to say that I agree pretty much with all of that. I mean, with the protein, um, also we like to stock up on uh, beans as protein as well. Um, that if meat is not readily available, we still have the, um, the protein from the beans. Um, same thing for the water. Um, I've watched Alicia's uh, How to Make a Berkey video probably 4 billion times. YouTube just haven't given you your 4 billion views yet, Alicia. Um, but having water available is important because we are also on a well water at the farm um, that runs off a generator, but uh, being prepared for that. But also because we make our own soaps and candles, I like to have candles and soap available for us, not just for the store to sell, um, but if electricity was to go out, that we have candles that um, we can use that are organic and friendly and that kind of stuff. So that's me. That's, I, I think all of that, along with soaps and candles. So. Well, well, now that we've talked about all the preparedness things or what we like to stock up, want to be prepared with, let's go ahead and welcome up our guest. Let's welcome up Gray from Gray Man Prepping to the panel. How's everybody doing this morning? Good morning, Gray. Hey. Good morning and welcome. Happy to have you here. Good morning. So to piggyback off of that, Gray, what what is one thing that you have to have prepped in your house at all times? Uh, I mean, you guys named some pretty good things off. I, I, I was intriguingly like, focused on what you guys were saying just to kind of see what you guys were doing. And uh, for me, you guys uh, hit a lot of different things. Um, but one thing... I'm about redundancy. So usually what you guys have, but tenfold and different variations of them. Um, funny enough that you guys mentioned beans for protein. I had a, uh, what does it call it? A comment fight with somebody one time. They're like, why do you keep on saying beans for proteins? And I'm like, uh, because it has protein in it. Yeah, but then you can get this for protein and that. And I said, so then I literally broke it down and sent them to a website to show that beans, uh, depending on the servings and the type of beans, you can get a lot of good protein and fiber from those beans. Um, but uh, let me see, where am I working at now? Right now I am working on stuff like alternative fuels and stuff like that. Uh, I'm also building my uh, seeds, uh, basically a seed bolt is what I like to call it. Um, working hard on that, a lot of the different types of seeds. Um, I, I and I, Sometimes I think out the box, I do have some of the um, hybrid seeds that people say, oh, you shouldn't have the hybrid seeds. Uh, but what I've been learning from, from using some of those is yes, some of them will fail. Some of them will not germinate, but some will. Uh, and those are sometimes you can come across those cheap, uh, outside of your, uh, your good seeds and whatnot. So, uh, I've been working heavily on the seeds, uh, and things like that and alternative fuels. Um, one thing that did pop in my head that, uh, was it, uh, you Lisa that has the, who has the well, who has the well? I do have a well, but it was Alicia who was talking with about Alicia? it. Um, yes. one thing I suggest to folks, uh, my friend, uh, Mark over at Rolling Homestead, he ran into a situation uh, just recently, and uh, he is investing into, uh, I guess it's like a solar pump uh, for a fallback thing in case they don't have fuel for their generator or they can't get that pump going. Um, and uh, there's more more to it uh, with this whole solar thing. Uh, but it was quite intriguing to say the least that uh, that it's an interesting backup plan that he had because, you know, the sun's usually there. Wintertime, not so much, but you get what right. I'm saying. <laughs> right. And it's usually we usually lose our well in the, in the heart of winter. Mm. So that's usually when we 
come into problems with that. I've got a little backup just for our well ourselves is my son works for the well company. So nice. nice. <laughs> I know if I get really hard times, he'll come over. I know he knows how to manipulate it so we can get water. But, uh, you know, I answered my things based on, I think because we're just in the dead of winter now, I was thinking blizzard. So those are my answers. But, mm. you know, I agree with everybody on the panel. I've got a lot of things and I wanted to hit real quick on, on what Lady Boots said and what you're saying here about these alternative fuels. We have a solar oven for cooking and we also have a rocket stove that we've constructed. So mm. there are all of these great ways where you can. I, I was thinking short term blizzard if a tornado hits or if my uh, things go out because of a blizzard. But I know everybody was really talking long term and I do have all of that long term. But I just do want to focus on the fact that I was thinking short term because we just had a blizzard. <laughs> Hmm. but I am set long-term as well. Yeah, we have a bunch of camping items. You know, we have obviously all the typical stuff like the, you know, the Coleman stoves and all that, but we also have a bunch of backpacking items from when we used to go backpacking, <laughs> um, you know, like the rocket stove and all of that. So it, it's really good. We have a lot of different sources. I also have a blackout box. I keep it in one set location of the house at all times. If we lose power, we've got everything we need in there. And it's it's a very thorough blackout box. And I did a video on that. And we almost dug it out the other day when we lost power when it was 35 degrees below zero. Um, but we, we hunkered through the night. That is based on that. That is one thing we're going to be adding is I am going to get us a little pup tent to put over our bed. So we can create that microclimate when we lose power, when it's really, really cold. Um, I know we've got one out in the barn, but when it was negative 35, I was not going to send my husband out to go get one. So I'm going to get an additional tent, keep it um, either under or behind the bed. So when we have those really cold temperatures and we lose our power, we can have that microclimate so we can stay warm until we get power restored. So I have a question for you, Gray. Talking about all everything that everybody's saying, it makes me think about how I am preparing my family mentally, as mm -hmm. well as, um, you know, I think about that show Survivor. Mm -hmm. People go on that show Survivor and they get there and they're all excited and they have this amazing imagination of what's going to happen. And then they get on there and they're like, well, shoot, I don't know how to build a fire. I don't know how to go look for pineapples or whatever. They, I mean, you're literally going into a place, but you have no you know, you don't prepare. And I mm -hmm. laugh because I think that is the stupidest thing. How could they do that? But I think about how many times we do that here on our farm, we prepare for an event, but we don't really prepare ourselves. We think, okay, well, it might be, you know, severe weather. So let's just grab all the things. But how are we prepared mentally to deal with those things? So I now make sure that, for instance, my son who has fear of severe weather, he is mentally prepared. So he knows how to be a storm watcher. So we went to a storm preparedness class. We know how to do that so that we are preparing for those different circumstances. My kids know how to make a fire. They know how to work with Flint. They know how to do certain things. And that's something that we're really focused on the past year and a half, just since the whole COVID thing. We really <laughs> wanted to prepare our kids how to live if something happened where we didn't have electricity or we were lacking of water or we had to go get our own food from our own farm, not from the jars on our shelf. So I was wondering, how do you prepare your family for those times where you have to rely on all of your preps? Does that make sense? No, absolutely. And uh, mental preparedness is huge. 
Um, especially if you have children, uh, even some adults, uh, they have, everybody has fears and whatnot. And when things are taken away from them, they usually have easily accessible food, water, heat, electricity, mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, all those fun stuff like that. You need to, uh, prepare your children and other folks in your family, uh, that might, I guess you could say, uh, might, might not be mentally ready for something like that. Now, if you want to do it in a time where, where you control the situation, you know, that you control the scenario and I, some people don't like doing stuff like this, but um, you find a weekend or you pick a little holiday or something that where you can find a time where you can shut your breakers off in your house and play it like it's a scenario, like the power's out. For all weekend, we don't have Wi-Fi. We don't have refrigeration. We don't have this. We don't have anything. Uh, I'm not going to say do that in the dead of winter when it's 13 below, uh, but do it in a controlled environment where you can at least – basically what this option will give you is it gets everybody in the uh, concept of – being prepared and what it's like, um, but also is going to show you where you might have holes. Like, wow, uh, right now I, I realized I didn't have this ready, right? I needed this or I need to add this to my situation because if this does happen, I'm lacking here or there. Uh, so it's a great, uh, I, I don't want to say game, but uh, drill to have mm -hmm. uh, to get folks like on the same page, especially, like I said, some of you folks that have, let's say, a family bigger than three or four, uh, because everybody has to be on the same page. Um, and what I tell folks, if they have an opportunity to do so, uh, if you're savvy with a computer or whatnot, is type something up, a preparedness plan. Make sure you have emergency numbers on there. Everybody uh, knows where to meet if they're not, at, let's say someone is at school and you're at home and there's a power outage and you can, and traffic's down or whatnot. Everybody needs to have some sort of plan to where do I meet, who do I call, what do I do? Uh, and once you rehearse that, people become uh, more at ease when something does happen. Like, okay, I remember mom or dad said this. Uh, or they can even keep that small checklist in their backpack or back pocket. You can laminate it. Uh, whatever's convenient or you think it's going to work best for you or your family. Uh, to me, that would be an also a a kind of like a, uh, what do they call it? The uh, wubby blankets, you know, like that, that safe thing. Like, oh, I have my list. I'm good. This is, I know I'm going to be all right. So things like that is what I would suggest uh, in regards to creating a preparedness plan outside of just the uh, mental preparedness. But running those drills would also be beneficial for folks. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what businesses do too. You know, I mean, I've been a part of businesses where we've had to draw up a disaster emergency plan and have it at the ready and what we were going to do about it. And I think one time we actually used it uh, during a, a hurricane. Now we were, you know, more inland in North Carolina at the time, but they did feel that there was going to be a lot of damage. Turned out it wasn't, but we had to be prepared um, but they were on lockdown for a few days um, at the one place because we had residential clients at the time. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, Gray, one of the things that I see in all the comments for prepping is, you know, folks saying, I don't have the money. I, I you know, how can I prep if I don't have the money? And, and I see when I, I bring this up because I'm getting the sense that people are afraid. Mm -hmm. that they don't have the resources to prep. So can you speak a little bit on that and maybe give some suggestions? 100%. I run into that a lot of time. That's why I'll do specific videos geared to, uh, matter of fact, I do have a video on my channel that's basically how to start prepping with little to no money at all. Um, but for the main, the, here's your main focus, and you guys have touched on this, is food and water. That's your your essentials that you must have to survive without water, uh, you got three days, three to five days max, you know what I mean? Depending on your body weight and what you're doing and physical activity and whatnot, right? Food, of course, you can go without food. It would suck because most people, yeah, I'm pretty sure most people have not actually went through 
100% starvation. Uh, and it's, it can, it's puts murder on your body. It, it's, it's really bad. So food and water. Um, some people say, well, how do I store water? You know what I mean? A lot of people come into this question. Uh, some people have like on farms, they have these big, uh, devices and whatnot. I forget their, what they're called. Uh, I don't have a farm yet. Uh, I will have a homestead one of these days and that's what I'm working towards. But you know, the containers, some people use the 55 gallon blue drums to store water, uh, rain catchment mm -hmm. systems and stuff like that. Um, and I'm trying to remember the, 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 oh, to start off simple is you can buy something for water filtration. Uh, usually people have some sort of water source around, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, that's usually the cheapest when it comes to water. You can stack water. Water's pretty cheap if you guy the generic brands and whatnot. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of different uh, people talk to you about, oh, it's plastic. That water's, you know, the plastic in the water can leach into there. But yes, that can happen if you are storing it in a hot environment, if you're storing it in direct sunlight and things like that. It's better to have something than nothing when it comes to water. You know what I mean? So if you can buy... Uh, let's say a case of water a week. Let's say you spend three or four bucks. I think at here locally, the Winn-Dixie, you can get two for five or something like that. Grab a couple extra whenever you go shopping and you put that to the side. Uh, when it comes to food, same thing. You see something going on sale. Hey, look at those raviolis. I know the kids love those. Uh, you know, they're 10 for a dollar. So maybe you're going to take two or three of those and put them on your actual pantry that you're using on a consistent basis and put those other ones in your prepper pantry. Eventually over time, it's, it's not going to happen you know, it's not you're going to go out and spend three or four thousand dollars because no one can really do that and just buy a bunch of food and stack up the wall unless you're extremely wealthy. So what I tell people is attack this uh, problem in a slow and concise manner. Uh, and while you're doing that, make sure that you're doing it in an organized manner so that, you know, OK, these raviolis uh, and what I like to do with my cans when I do canned, uh, canned foods is I like to mark the date on the top of the big black markers it makes it a lot easier to see. You're going to hear a lot of misconceptions with canned goods, uh, and this is outside of ca jar canning or, or as I call it, home canning or whatnot, uh, but canned goods just because they're very affordable and cheap. Now, some people will tell me canning, the other canning is, is easier, but some people don't have access to a pressure canner, doesn't have the knowledge or the, the jars, the lids, uh, and all the things associated with canning. Uh, canned goods is just really simple. You go to the store, find a deal, you stick it on the shelf. Um, I've dug into the FDA's website and other places, and technically – Canned goods can last almost indefinitely. Now, don't quote me specifically on that because when it comes to canned goods, uh, you have to look at certain things. Of course, you want to make sure that canned good is uh, hermetically sealed. The pull tops, they're good, but they're, they don't last as long as the hermetically sealed, full hermetically sealed type of cans. That being said, it just made me think of something. Make sure you have a can opener, um, a manual can opener, not electronic. Uh, <laughs> Make sure the can's not dented, rusted, bulging, and stuff like that. Those are the main three things that you want to see at first. Uh, and then when you open the can, you want to look at the color and the smell. Uh, some people will take a taste test. You can take a little bit of that food. You can put it on your skin, see if you have any type of uh, reaction to it. You can even put it on your lips and see if you have any reaction to it. Once you know it's safe, then you're, you can move on to taste, taste, you know, eating the food. Because 99% of the time, it's going to be safe. But in the FDA website, even the FDA website says – if you dig deep enough, it'll say that uh, canned goods can pretty much last indefinitely. And this has been proven when they have found stuff from World War II and other eras where they've opened up canned goods uh, and they were still ready to consume. 
hopefully that, hopefully I didn't go too deep into that, but uh, no. it's just one of the most simplest ways to start is just to grab a few extra cans of this, some protein, like, uh, you know, if you, if you can get the keystone stuff, which is phenomenal stuff, but if not your tuna, uh, you know, whatever you can for protein, try to mix it up. You don't want to get food fatigue. You know, you want to get some vegetables, uh, some fruits and stuff like that. And, uh, I know someone might say it in, the. Uh, in the chat, um, acidic, you got to be careful with acidic stuff. If you're going to get in, uh, like a tomato sauce and stuff like that over time, those will eat through, uh, cans and whatnot. So they're not as robust as some of your other stuff, like let's say corn, peas, carrots, and fun stuff like that. I, I think it's a great point because I think that, you know, it, obviously in, in the, the times and in the world that we're dealing with right now, there's a lot of families that are barely getting by because of the fact that they've lost jobs and so on. And, and I, you know, sometimes when they see things like, oh, just do a little bit a week and they're sitting there not even making ends meet now, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that can be helpful information. Casey, uh, Lady Boots, you were going to say something? I was just going to hit on the part. He said, uh, make sure they're not dented. <laughs> well, we were like, we have a, a place here in town that they reached out to me because, or they were just, you know, not me specifically, but reaching out to people, but they did contact me. And they said, you know, after Christmas, we had this huge, you know, everybody was doing food drives for them and they were just overran. They had just four, three or four like bedroom size rooms mm. in the building full of food and they were, please come get it. <laughs> so I went up and I got it, got some of it, what I could take. And my pantry had spilled over into my floor. I couldn't even walk in here for a few days. But I was organizing it this weekend because I have everything like my canned goods. I have them on the bottom and that, you know, everything sorted out. But I was going through everything and I noticed that I had a can of sweet potatoes and the back was dented in like it had hit something. Mm -hmm. And I got to looking at it and I, I don't know, something just told me to turn it over. So I turned it over and the label was like, you know, has, has a greasy spot on it. But as I was looking kind of like through it, it was black underneath. And I was like, okay, yeah, this one's going in the trash because I don't think it's good. <laughs> I think when it got dented, it might have cracked it or something. And that black may have been the, the food in there, you know, molding and coming out. And it did smell. And I was like, I've never had one dent do that. So that was kind of weird. And I'm, I'm glad I, you know, they told me to turn it over and look, you know, but that was, that was just kind of weird and something, you know, to think about. Even just that little dent can crack it and stuff can seep in or out. And I don't know about you guys, but all I'm noticing is a lot more dented cans. Mm -hmm. Yes. A lot more dented cans. Mm -hmm. I went to get chicken noodle soup uh, two weeks ago and I wanted to buy like four or five, six cans. And I couldn't find one can that wasn't dented. Wow. Oh, my. And, I, you know, I was really frustrated because... If they don't get eaten, I don't want them sitting on the shelf like that. I mean, I don't even want to buy them when they're like that. Right. Um, so, you know, it's frustrating. I wanted to yeah, hit I'm on sure. something that uh, Gray Man said, and he said, make sure that if you have your canned goods put away for when you need to turn to them, you have an alternative way to open them. Don't count on your electric can opener. And I did want to show, I got up and I went over to our little drawer. We have these little, they're called P51s. I believe mm -hmm. they also make P38s. These are the little can openers, like what they would use in the military or like you would use in Boy Scouts. And we, we purchased a few packs and, um, here, Alicia, show it again because I enlarged it. There we go. There we go. Here's this little can opener. We get them in 
a, a bulk pack on Amazon. And this is one that just came in. And then we put them in different locations throughout the house. So I have a couple in a couple of drawers here in the kitchen. We've got them in the pantry. We've got some out in the summer kitchen. We've got some out in the workshop. So they're strategically located because like Lady Boots, we are in uh, tornado country and we don't know what could possibly be hit. This farm's been hit twice in the last 60 years. So um, I don't want to be where I do have my canned goods and then I have no way to open them. So this is a wonderful thing to add to your little um, preparedness survival kit is make sure that you have the little can openers um, and they, they will even even tuck into your pocket. If you're having to become mobile, grab a couple cans and you've got these. And I also wanted to point out about buying the food. Um, we, we get the little Vienna sausages. They fit underneath the bed. They fit in little corners. I don't personally eat meat, but if it came down to it and I hit that part where Gray Man was saying, you know, you don't know what starvation is. Um, I don't I don't know starvation, but you can see it from my house. I've been that close a couple of <laughs> times growing up as a kid and it's not a good feeling. Um, I'll eat it if I have to. And also he was talking about things to put away. I, uh, I get dried fruit and I get beef jerky. They're in a five gallon bucket with a gamma lid that twists on keeps it nice and dry and clean. And we put those away as well. So we we have a lot of food that's tucked away in five gallon buckets. So don't forget the the beef jerky and the dried, the dried fruits and stuff. There's all kinds of things you can do. And yes, start on a budget. When you go to the store and I've been there where things are tight, I've been where I've forgotten a gallon of milk and I cried and cried because I didn't have milk for my babies. We were that poor when we were first married. But grab one extra can of raviolis if you can grab one extra can of those vienna sausages grab one extra jar of peanut butter just get the extra nido nido is a great source for the milk and that is what a gray man is holding up right now we've got a couple of those so there's all kinds of things and i didn't have nido back when my babies were on bottles and i forgot the gallon of milk at the store but you know we're learning as we go and there are a lot of neat things if you just check um a great place to check too, guys, when you are seeing that your your store shelves are looking a little bare, check the ethnic food aisle. People overlook the ethnic food aisle. You're going to find that Nido, that milk supplement in the ethnic food aisle, in the Hispanic foods a lot of the times. And if you grew up hating powdered milk, just know there's a difference between powdered milk and milk powder. And the Nido is milk powder and it tastes much better. So you'll start to learn these things as you can put your things away for being prepared. And I didn't mean to hijack that, but I did want to show, yes, this one's a P30, this one's a P51, but Mennonite, um, no, Joni was saying a P38, they keep on their key ring and my husband does as well. Those are the smaller ones. This is the P51. So they're relatively inexpensive and it is a great thing to have as a backup. Also, if you're storing your food in the five gallon buckets, uh, you, they have special wrenches that you can help peel those lids off because I can't peel them off. If you have the gamma lids, you just unscrew, but the others are hard to um, peel off. I wouldn't be surprised if Gray Man doesn't have one of those sitting right there. Yeah, <laughs> he was looking around. Yeah, I have one sitting over there, but I've been uh, I've been converting everything to gamma lids just because mm -hmm. uh, I, I like that format better. They're a little bit more pricier. If you have to start with regular lids, start with it, but make sure they have that rubber seal. Uh, mm -hmm. Make sure you have your Mylar, your O2 absorbers, you know, you, you have the whole process. Um, some people, it's funny, 
a lot of these videos exist on YouTube, but they've been buried so long because some people have done these type of videos of how to store rice, uh, you know, 10 years ago and whatnot. So I'm trying to refresh the whole YouTube thing by redoing some of these prepping 101 kind of stuff like that. So I did a rice video on how to store rice long-term uh, just recently because I think it needs to be touched on. Uh, and it'd be nice, let's say some of you folks out there who might do this on your farms or homesteads to uh, to show you some of your folks, you know, if you guys are doing that for yourselves, uh, the proper way to store rice, you know, uh, because you have to think about how you're storing it, but you also have to think, let's say if you're on a large property, what kind of pest are you dealing with outside of bugs or the rats and uh, mice and things like that? Um, one thing I, I wanted did, to touch I'm on, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Gray, I'm no, sorry. I just wanted to touch on one thing with those can openers. If you have them, I really suggest that you apply them and use them and know how to use them properly. Yes, those there because don't just get them and just put them in a bag somewhere. I'm like, yeah, this will come in handy. You want to know how to use it so you're not when when that time comes, you're not like, oh, uh, what's going on? Because there won't be no YouTube, there won't be nothing, nothing that you can refer to unless you're smart and you have a prepper. I call, instead of a prepper pantry, I call it a prepper library, uh, which is extremely essential. Now, one last thing I want to add to before we move out of the can good things is worst worst case scenario: asphalt or concrete. You can take these cans and. Put some elbow grease into it and it'll eventually wear that down. Uh, it's it's not recommended because, you know, of course, you're going to have little filings and stuff like that. But you can open a can up if you actually had no other option uh, by rubbing it back and forth through friction. And it will open up those cans. The thicker cans is going to take you quite some time. Mm -hmm. Just worst case scenario, if you're starving, you will probably put that uh, application into process. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well I wanted to touch on, since we were talking about canning and that kind of stuff, Gray, you had said something about your seed vault that you mm -hmm. were working on. And me being a newer homesteader, I'm the baby homesteader out of all of my wonderful lady co-hosts, um, is how does one start a seed vault and how long does it last? For those who are listening who has, have not done that before or who don't know where to start, don't know how long seeds last, do you want to touch on that a little bit more as well? Sure. No, not a problem at all. Uh, last year was my first year gardening. What I do is that I'm in the suburbs right now. I said, you know what? There has to be a way that I can uh, grow enough food for, for, for my family, even in the situation I'm in. Because I, I hate to deter people or in apartments, condos, uh, suburbs and stuff like that. I turned 400 square feet of my yard into a garden. Um, and then so when it comes to the seed vault, uh, as you're buying seeds, of course, uh, a lot of people will just go out and buy a ton of seeds which is cool. I, I did the same thing. Trust me. Um, you go to the dollar store. Sometimes you get lucky and they're like two for a buck. Uh, and depending on where you look in different websites and what's that. So um, that's one way to start it. But you want to have, when you, when you create a seed bolt, you want to really organize what you're doing. Uh, what time of year to grow? Cause people need to know what zone they're in. I'm in zone nine B. So I know what grows best in my zone, my soil and my climate and how it all plays together. Uh, that's what I've learned uh, last year. So I'm building my seed vault uh, with those type of uh, things that work well. Now, also what I'm doing is I'm letting some of the food that I grow uh, over this year. I have tomatoes growing right now. People are like, what do you mean tomatoes growing? It's, it's, we're in end of January, getting into February now. Or is it February? I don't even know. That's right. We're almost in February. People are like, it's negative 13 degrees out. How are you growing stuff? Well, luckily I'm in Florida. Uh, and to uh, tomatoes actually surprisingly can uh, there, it's not recommended, but they can, I think, 32 to 34 degrees, somewhere in that, that zone. They, they're still good because I looked at mine yesterday. We got down to 31, and they're still fine. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some of the seeds from the tomatoes because they went through this situation, 
and it's I feel like those seeds will be a lot hardier the following year. So I'm gonna go ahead and uh, you know harvest those seeds from the plants that I have out there because uh, I know they work uh, and uh, they're getting used to my my growing like my soil, my nutrients, and all that stuff like that. It's almost like you're you programming your seeds in a way. That's I I, I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I know uh, if something works well in your garden one year and this one doesn't work well, you kind of want to get the seeds from this and kind of you know push that to the side and like, okay, you need to focus on here. Um, and, uh, when you're doing, when you're, I mean, on a homestead, I can't wait to get mine. Trust me. Um, because we're going to have a lot more options at that point, but, uh, you kind of want to grow a variety of stuff. You know what I mean? Some people, uh, will only grow tomatoes because, uh, they like tomatoes, but you have to think long-term, like you need to understand all the different types of things you can grow, be it fruits. Uh, you know, some people look at peanuts, uh, all the different types of vegetables, uh, some grow, uh, depending on the size of your family, uh, like I don't, I know you folks have probably heard of the cherry 100s, right? Has everybody heard of cherry 100s? Yeah. They, they grow profusely. Uh, they, you know, if, if you grow them right, uh, which I'll be growing them this year, um, you can get a lot of these great little cherry tomatoes out of it. It's a hybrid plant, uh, but the, the, the yield from it is beneficial. You figure you're spending a couple of bucks on the seed pack. And you're going to get, let's say, 500 plus tomatoes out of it. That's an awesome yield for price. You'll never get, you'll, you'll yeah. never get to go to the grocery store and pick that up at that same price, you know? Well, so, no, and they don't taste as good in the grocery store either. <laughs> Agreed, 100%. Delicious. Yes. So uh, I don't know if that, hopefully that answered uh, some of your question there, uh, Casey. It did. Yeah, no, it did. Yeah, I think um, my twin has something to add in. <laughs> I just wanted to add into remember and think about those dried beans that you have stored up you can also plant those in long-term situations those are seeds you can plant those and make more or if you want to save those for you know long-term eating you know later on and use some of them as plants you can replenish them and make them you know fresher as you go or you can plant those and eat those fresh and save the dried beans you know for either later eating or you know just for plants so those you know are dual purpose and mm -hmm. very sustainable i i think what um to to go off of what uh casey is saying there unfortunately we live in such a disposable society mm -hmm. we don't mm -hmm. see the value of something beyond that so when we have um, one tiny little green bean plant and we've got some beans that have gotten too big and they're looking pretty nasty and people don't do anything with them, save the green beans. You can plant those later. Those are seeds that are in there. And tomatoes, somebody has a tomato that they've grown or gotten from the farmer's market and maybe they don't get to all of it and they're just going to throw it in the compost pile. You've got seeds. There are seeds. We're so disposable. We need to start rethinking and retraining ourselves to look beyond one generation, two generations, three generations of that one little tomato or that one little string bean and see that this is food for sustenance for later. And that is something that I've been retraining myself to do. Uh, if somebody, you know, if a neighbor says, oh, here, I've got this little buttercup squash for you. It's like, great, thanks. I scoop out those seeds. Mm -hmm. I clean those seeds. I dry those seeds. Those go into my seed bank. And um, I think seed banks are great things to have. And I kind of I kind of get a little flack sometimes because especially last year, Seed to Seed, that's a great book. Great book, Casey. Um, 
last year and I plan on doing it again this year as well. We have a little we have a little greenhouse here in our rural community. And the last couple of years have hit them really, really hard because people aren't spending money. People aren't going into town. People are panicking and getting stuff off the shelves and they're not thinking about gardening. So I've been getting my seedlings at our little nursery and I'm saving my seeds that I have for later for when those seedlings aren't going to be available should that happen. If not, I've got them and I can plant them in my container garden where I need to. But for those of you who don't have seed stores up yet and you're going to start saving your seed stores for future, that's great. But also don't forget your tiny little nursery with the seedlings if you are not able to get your seeds started because this is where we all kind of start How's that? How is that little man that runs that little tiny nursery? How's he going to prepare for things when nobody is supporting his business who is in turn supporting you to grow food? So don't forget that as well. But save your seeds. Learn how to save them. Learn how to, you know, there are things you have to do to save certain seeds like tomato seeds. They have that little gel coating on the outside of the seed. Learn how to prepare them, dry them out and store them. It's a great resource to have. And I think to touch on that, Alicia, why I brought that book out is when you're talking about prepping and prepping for your family, people overlook having certain books in a prepper library, I guess you could call it, that teaches you certain skills that you'll need to know, such as saving seeds, like seeds, uh, seed, seed to seed, um, of how to take the tomato that you grew and turn it into 12, 14 plants for the next year. Um, But also touching on another thing you said, Alicia, we did, the five of us did videos. Yeah, Lady Boots got uh, herbal remedies. Hold on, I'm pulling you up, Lady Boots. Herbal remedies and the forager's guide to wild food. Oh, I Um, want that forager's guide. Me too. You, (laughs) oh, Casey sent that to me in a DM. Gray Man's holding one up as well. Ooh, Native American the herbalist, herbalist Bible. Bible. Oh, nice. I think I, I'm pretty sure I have. Everybody sharing their books is a great reminder because, like Gray Man said, there may be a time where we're not going to have YouTube and we're not going to have the internet to have these resources. And I know when we first started in on this in 2020, um worldwide with what's going on in in current situations right now i told a friend of mine i said hey make sure you have your recipes out make sure you've got some flour some yeast so you can bake some bread he says oh my husband works at a store i don't have to worry about it and i can just pull up my recipes on my ipad if i need to guess who was crying when they couldn't get bread when they couldn't find yeast they didn't have these things so having your recipes written down and readily available instead of counting on the internet and having your food stores in place, they're important. And having those books to tell you how to do these things, you're going to need that because we're not always going to have the internet. We went without an internet for a week last week. I almost thought I was going to perish. <laughs> well, to touch is- on what Leanne said real fast, we we will have links in the show notes below. So anytime we share our opinion on certain um, items, um, there will always be affiliate links in the description box. Um, so that's just an FYI for that question. But I'm sorry, Lisa, go ahead. No, that's fine. I was going to say, this is where my book hoarder <laughs> issue is going to be amazing. See, because <laughs> I love nothing. I, I don't care. Like, even when I went to college and textbooks and all that, I didn't want the ebooks. I wanted the book. I want to sit there and I want to hold a book because mm-hmm. there is nothing like a book. 
<laughs> for me. It's tangible. Yeah. And I just, I like being able to sit there and have a book. I have tons of books on the farm for, you know, like we've talked about farrowing and all that stuff we're going to be doing this year. I want a book because if I need to go out to the barn, I know it sounds crazy, but I've never done this before, but obviously I'm going to read the book, but I'm also going to have a reference. So I'm going to be sitting there if I need to, <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? You know, but it's like, you want a book, it's portable. It comes with you. I, I want to add something to that when it comes to books. Uh, a lot of us are showing seating books. I have canning books, dehydrating books, prepper books. Uh, but another thing that we might want to add, and like how you were saying, is animal husbandry, stuff like that. But also things like carpentry, plumbing, electricity, uh, electrician kind of books, uh, how-to guides, and all that type of stuff like that. Because you might need to reference these books if something happens and you don't have access to, let's say, a carpenter or uh, a mechanic or, you know, small engine repair. Uh, so it's nice to also have those books. You have to like think in yourself, like, what in the world would I need uh, if I couldn't have access to just going somewhere and getting or hiring someone to do something? Uh, so I always think about that as well when it comes to books outside of just uh, all the preparedness and medicinal books that I carry. And that's so a really good point, because I think the other thing is people need to go out and build a birdhouse. I know it sounds mm -hmm. dumb, right? But go out and build a birdhouse if you're not somebody who, you know, uses carpentry skills, because you're going to screw up and you're going to learn something. Mm -hmm. Build a table, build a box, just build, build anything, um, you know, and those, that's the ways that you learn. Do it now so mm -hmm. you can figure out what you did wrong versus waiting because the, we are a society where all we do is Google stuff and look online. Now's the time to practice those skills. So and going off of what you just said, I was going to say, um, are you good? Go. So <laughs> piggybacking off of what you just said, um, Eric always says to me, and this is not, this is, if my husband's listening, this is not an open, he's going to like try to teach me stuff now that I don't want to learn anything right this second, Eric. Okay. But um, he always <laughs> says to me, Monica, what are you going to do if I'm not here? So he's out yes. on the tractor per se. And he's like, here's what you do. Get in and, and I'll show you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like I got a lot of boys. <laughs> they can do the tractor if you're not around. But I, I understand what he's trying to say. He's always trying to teach myself, teach me, teach the kids all the different skills because you don't have to know everything on your farm or in your house. But if you start to give yourself some of those practical skills and you don't have that person around that can do it, then you need to be, you, you need to be feel functional like you can do it. And I mean, I have other resources like right now, if I had to go out there because something happened to Eric and I had to go run the tractor, I could call up my oldest son or call up my other kid or go on YouTube and be like, how do I work this tractor? But YouTube isn't going to always be here. And the phone isn't always going to be available and my kids aren't always going to be available. So I have to be able to teach myself how to work my basic items on the farm. So That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I was going to piggyback off about the books, we were talking earlier about your mental health. Should you be in a situation where you're either snowed in or there's something's happened in your, uh, something sheltered in place. That's the word I'm looking for in my blackout box that I have, where I have everything ready in case we lose power. I have bags in there of cards, a cribbage board, word searches, books that I got at the dollar store. And those are in there as well, as well as notebooks and pencils in case we need to take notes about anything. But you know, if you're down for several days and you don't have that stimulation mentally, 
it is going to be important to have something to fall back on. And so that's where I've got those puzzle books and the word searches. And uh, Papa Jim's not a real big reader, but I found some really nice historical books about Abraham Lincoln and things like that. I know when we're set here for seven, eight days with no internet, no TV, and we're snowed in, he's eventually going to turn to say, I need a book or something, and I've got it right in that blackout bag. So don't forget that mental aspect as well as you have to have something to feed your brain. And it's great that we'll have all of these prepping books, but sometimes I think you need just a little bit of a, a respite as well from having a little bit of joy in it as well. Taking, taking into consideration all the prep stuff is great, but doing a puzzle book or reading something that is uh, recreational, I think, is good for the brain as well when you find yourself in a self-in-place uh, situation. I hope that made sense. It did. Yeah, it definitely did. That's important for your, you know, mental stability as long as your physical stability is to have something that brings you joy in that I situation. Agree. I, and I wanted to say, well, we want to hear from y'all in the chat. So start while we're chatting, press that cue. If you have a question for Gray, um, if, if you have something that you like to prep in your household or you have a book that you really like, again, do that cue. Um, I'm going to bring it up on the screen, but um, we're just going to chat away while y'all are putting that in the chat. Gray, it looked like you had a book there you wanted to share. It made me, I saw a little Miss Prepper uh, mention this book, and I also want to, I, I wanted to touch on medical real quick too, but she's talking about this book right here. Um, and this is a phenomenal book uh, to folks to have. Uh, very, very important book. Um, so if you guys can, it's not too bad in price, uh, but if you can find it, if you can find a used version, they have a couple different versions of this, but it's a great book. Um, and the reason uh, it, when she brought that up, it made me think of something because I always wonder folks on the homestead because usually when I, uh, when I interview homesteaders on my channel, I always like to ask them, you know, most people have a first aid kit. Uh, my question is, is depending how rural you are, do you have an, uh, what we call an IFAC, which is an individual first aid kit or a trauma kit, uh, a stop the bleed kit. I always wonder how many folks have that because when you're on a farm or even on a homestead, you're dealing with type of equipment that you could possibly lose a finger, lose an arm. You can get hurt really bad. Uh, or let's say in an instance where you're in a blizzard and something happens in the home where you can't get outside to get to the hospital uh, in a bad situation where are you prepared to, if someone has an arterial bleed, to have the ability to stop that? Uh, and I always wonder if folks, uh, if, if you folks like yourself – uh, have those type of kits outside of your, I call them boo-boo kits, <laughs> you know? We do. We have, uh, we're stored up with things to make tourniquets, mm -hmm. compression for excessive bleeding, uh, sucking wound, chest, chest wounds. We've got those packs. Um, Hubby has everything pretty well set. So in case we have any type of an accident here on the farm, um, if there's a hunting accident and you need something, some, there's been an accident and you have a, a sucking wound chest, or suck, sucking chest wound, he's got the things that he needs there. And like I said, the tourniquets and, and all of that, suture kits, uh, he's all set with that. Do I know how to necessarily use them? No, but the boys do. And like Monica's like, I can have the boys do that. But, you know, Monica brought up a good point about the tractor. And she says, Eric, I don't want you to teach me right now. But I, I was thinking, you know, if something terrible did happen with the tractor, she needs to know how to put that tractor in gear and move it heaven forbid he fall off and something happened. And it got me thinking, you know, my husband just had a new hoist put into the workshop. It's a beautiful hoist. I like looking at it from afar, but if 
heaven forbid he's out there working on something and there's an accident, I have no idea how to work that hoist to get a car up off of him. Uh-huh. So yeah. this is a great reminder in this show that take a look around and, and assess your situation. And if there's something you're not familiar with, you need to take that five minutes and just have a little course on how to do the simplest of things. To him, it's the simplest of things to to know what button to push to raise a hoist or for Eric to know where to put the tractor into gear to move it three feet in case somebody's pinned underneath it. But Monica in that situation may not know. Lisa may not know. Casey's going out to a farm. He may not know if his mother slips and falls and there's something in her way, what he needs to do. And same with Lady Boots. They're remodeling that little cabin. There's things she may need to know with an air compressor or who knows what. It's a great reminder for us that we've got all of these preps in our heads of what we need to do, but there are other aspects that we're not looking at. And I just want to thank Monica for mentioning that as well as Gray Man, because it makes me think in a whole new way that these are things I need to focus on that I need to get schooled on. And this week I will definitely um, follow up on the hoist as well as the sucking chest wound application uh, that's in our big kit. Well, I wanted to pull up some comments. Oh, go ahead, Casey, before I pull up comments. I was just going to piggyback off of Monica earlier and also say that when I was in nursing school, one thing that they pounded in our head, and this this pertained to um, specialties, but it also pertains to anything in life. And I keep telling my kids this, especially Emma growing up being a lady, you've got to know a lot of stuff. And I I know a lot of stuff and you know, probably know a lot more than Stephen. And I've taught Stephen a lot, but my kids were right there with us. And I wanted to say in nursing school, they pounded in our head, know everything about something and something about everything. So even being a nurse, I may work in cardiology, but you got to know something about lungs because it works with the heart. You got to know something about diseases because it works with the organs. You have to know how to put everything together. But it also pertains to on the farm, you know, you don't necessarily have to work that specialty, but you need to know something about it. So let that sink in. You need to know everything about something and something about everything. Alicia, that's a true hashtag. Put it on a T. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get right on but I'm going to pull up a couple comments and a couple questions. The first one that I saw, um, Leanne from Mennonite Farmhouse said, is um, a book about mm-hmm. sewing. That is important. That's very yeah. important. Uh, and not just for women. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a man and I um, learn how to sew because um, that's just me. But yes, that's a good comment. A question from Miss Brenda. How would you store coffee that has been open for storage? That is a question for you, Gray. That is a question for me. Uh, well, uh, the way I do it is I use my food saver. I vacuum seal it. Um, I, I'm i even to the point where I even throw a small O2 absorber in the bag that I'm sealing uh, just because I'm paranoid uh, because I love coffee. Literally, I have, I have a bag of coffee just sitting on my desk for who knows what reason. Probably I was doing something. Um, but uh, to me, if you if, like, because coffee – uh, unless you have freeze dried coffee, uh, which is another it, instant coffee is basically freeze dried coffee, uh, which can store for quite some time. Um, I actually keep that in jars. I don't know if you guys keep yours in jars or whatnot. Um, I'd like to take, I don't like the plastic. I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if you're just like talking about like just coffee grounds and whatnot, I, I use a food saver because when I buy the type of coffee that I buy, it's already vacuum sealed. Uh, so it already extends that shelf life a lot more. The ones that are kind of in a can that you just kind of pop the lid and stuff like that. 
they're great and all, but they do have still oxygen in them and whatnot. Oxygen is the enemy of a lot of different things when it comes to food and preservation. So uh, to me, that would be my, my easiest solution. Uh, if you have the option to have a food saver, uh, if not, have someone gift you one because they're awesome. <laughs> they are. They are. If I, could, if I could piggyback on that, if you're going to be getting coffee that you're going to store away long term, get the beans as opposed to what's already mm -hmm. ground. It helps it retain a lot of the coffee oils. And I have some coffee beans that are vacuum sealed, like what Gray Man said. They're in a five gallon bucket. I put a couple of bags in there. One of my buckets has a French press. So we have a way to make coffee nice. if we don't have electricity. The other one has a manual grinder. So we have a way to grind those beans. Mm -hmm. And um, then we put back and the, the one bag that we open, that's the one that we go through. But as far as long-term storage, if you can get it in the beans and have it vacuum sealed, if you can't get it vacuum sealed, I like his idea. Like he said, that's what we do as well as you vacuum seal and then store them away. But it's important to have those other elements because what good is it to have your coffee if you don't have electricity and you really don't have any way to make it? So think about how you would grind those beans and think how you would prepare the coffee. Agreed. And uh, one last thing I want to add to that is uh, if you can get yourself green uh, coffee beans, the green beans, the, uh, the green beans uh, <laughs> are, you know, uh, uh, before they're roasted, uh, they actually have one of the longest shelf lives possible. Uh, and and learn how to roast them yourself. Yep. That would be a great class to do. Wouldn't that be fun to learn how to roast your own coffee beans? Also learn the longer you roast them, the less beneficial properties they have. Correct. Mm -hmm. I think if I'm in a blizzard, as long as it's warm. <laughs> Don't forget, you guys can use, uh, what is it, dandelion root? You can make some dandelion root coffee. Tastes like it. doesn't have the caffeine, but, you know, if you're... Tastes if like you're <laughs> I know, uh, but it's like, I'm trying to think about it. There's another root too. What is the other root that you can use for coffee? Is it chicory? Chicory. Yeah. Chicory root. Yeah. I'd have to be pretty desperate. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do <laughs> yeah. to make you a stronger person. Alicia, do you want to read this next one? Um, so Mary Ranch says she has six months of animal foods on hand, horses, goats, sheep, cats, and dogs for example. And I think that's a wonderful thing to look at too, because I know I've worried about that and I do not have that much on hand because like Grand Man was saying, when you live rural, you have rodents and you have issues and not completely dialed in on keeping all of that uh, secure since our barn blew down. Um, mm. And that's something I need to work on. But uh, does anybody have anything they'd like to add about your animal food? I try to keep uh, about a month, a month and a half on hand. And again, it's because of storage and rodents. Um, you know, everybody's seen, we've, we've got deer that come up and eat my hay bales. Um, you know, and everybody thinks an electric fence will be the fix. It's not, they jump right over it. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So I, for us, it's, you know, I try to keep, uh, I usually buy a month, a month and a half at a time because I do have to travel to get it. And um, I do have backup ideas of what I would do if I couldn't get it, but it's not a hundred percent. So that's what I was going to piggyback off of that and say, do you have any, have any of you that have thought about the animals? Have you thought about what happens if you can't get it? So you have maybe, you know, six months of animal food on hand or five months or whatever it is. Great. But what happens if that goes bad, that something happens to your stores and now you have to come up with an alternative food source for your animals. Do you have an idea for each of the animals that you raise? Cause I've tried to do that too. You know, okay. If I can't get, 
chicken and, and duck food and I can't get the food for my poultry or my pigs over the winter time or whatever, how can I supplement? Can I grow my own fodder? Can I do other things? And so I've had to try to look at those resources too. I think Gray was going to. Yeah. And that's, that. you, you hit the nail on, uh, on the head uh, when you said grow, because that's one thing you have to understand mm -hmm. is think about this folks, uh, 50, maybe a hundred years ago, people have always had chickens and cows and all this other stuff like that. They didn't have access to a feed store. They grew what they were feeding their animals. Uh, so you have to kind of understand if you're growing for yourself and you do, and you, and these animals provide for you, you might have to look at alternatives of learning how to grow uh, the food for them, just like you're growing. But you need right to know, your family. but you need to know what's going to work for them too, because <clears throat> for instance, we have rabbits and we can't just mm -hmm. give rabbits everything. Sometimes mm -hmm. the rabbits won't eat all those things. So it's definitely worth knowing what your animals are capable of eating, mm -hmm. what's safe for them to eat. And you know, those things. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever thought about uh, stuff like this? Like, okay, so we have rabbits. So we'll use rabbits for an example. Well, there's rabbits that are wild. What do they consume around you? Cause like here in my area, there's abundance of wild rabbits. So I've always wondered, okay, so these rabbits are surviving in some form or manner. What are they consuming out in the wild? Uh, and if I had rabbits, these rabbits, are they the same family or close enough to the point where I could source what the, the wild rabbits are eating and feed it to the rabbits that I have now? Uh, these are just questions that I ask myself a lot because I'm just a very inquisitive person. But Well, even like stuff that I have to buy, you know, the, the feed bags. Well, shoot, even take it back to the kitchen. I've got a, a video on a farm fresh breakfast that I mimicked on something that I bought. Like... <laughs> Wheat kale salad mix. I learned that um, when I was eating keto, you can mix some sausage with that and make a meal. Well, I'm mm -hmm. like, no, Stephen, I said, these are all plants. I can grow everything. So I looked at the ingredients and I grew everything that's on there. Or mm -hmm. I can buy them individually and make more than paying, you know, $5 for a little bag or something. I can make more by buying it individually or growing it myself. Well, look on the feed bag. What can you grow that's in that? You know, and what can you make changes to to grow what you can or how can you get the vitamins or whatever that is needed in what you can't grow? You know, how can you get a hold of making your own feed? Because when we get our homestead, that's what eventually what I'm going to do is I'm going to have plots set and I'm going to grow all the food that I need to make what I'm giving, you know, my animals and stuff and learn now what you need to be able to do later. Because like you've been saying you know, YouTube's not always going to be there. Learn now. And back to the bread real quick. You need to learn how to make bread because you can't just throw it all in the thing and, you know, <laughs> pop it in the oven. You can't just do that. Right. Learn right. the texture. Learn how, how long something takes because there's different ways of making bread and which one's going to work for you. So, right. you know, the, the feedback, you know, just look at the ingredients. See mm -hmm. if you can grow it. See if you can make it. It's not that big of a science project, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two things, two things. One thing that I want to look at this year is extending my feed by sprouting for my chickens. Mm -hmm. So I am going to be looking into that. And then for the bread, um, I do have a video on a very simple three ingredient bread. And I show you how to cook it with solar in a sun oven, as well as in a turkey roaster. If your oven is down, there are different ways that you can do that. So look at look at some videos to learn how you can make your own solar oven out of just a reflector that you put up in your windshield. Because if you get to where you don't have a way to actually bake the bread, you can make your own solar oven and cook it with the power of the sun. And then you've got that bread with just 
three little ingredients. There's, you just have to start thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. So Mary also says first aid kit, have that also for all of the animals as well as for humans. Mm-hmm. They are marked with meds. And that's something that we've discussed here on our um, round the hay bale is our animal first aid kit. So go back and check those prior uh, episodes because we do hit on that, Mary. And yeah, you know we what, talked about what, humans too. We yes. did. We talked about both of them. And to go back to her first question, um, funny story is when we were at the farm the other day cleaning, I found one of the big tubs and I was like, I wonder what's in it. And it was probably a six month supply of rabbit food because I couldn't figure it out at first. I was like, what is this? Um, and luckily we have a lot of farm cats. So that probably helps with the rodent. But this woman that we bought it from obviously was a prepper and had her five, six, 10 years of rabbit food mm. stored in this tub in the greenhouse. So I was just going to throw that out there that, that obviously that, that's what this woman was doing. Nice. Wow. Mm. Another thing to remember too is where I live, we've got a lot of co-ops and sometimes when they fill those trucks up and they take them to the co-op and put them off into the bins, there's a lot of spillage. And sometimes you can go up and say, Hey, you spilled about 50 pounds worth of corn on the ground there. And it's just sitting there. Find out what kind of corn it is. Make sure it's uh, consumable for your animals and scoop that up. And if things get really bad, you can also see if it's something that you can grind down and make cornbread and consume yourself. And that's something that I learned when I went on that, on that ride in that big combine is I thought all of that corn was for ethanol for fuel. And he says, you can eat any corn, even if we're growing it for ethanol or for the animals, tough times hit. You can go out there and you can pick that corn. You can dry it, grind it up or cook it and eat it and you won't starve. So we got one more question there. Uh, Mr. Casey, do you want to take that one? Um, Have you read the book, The Ultimate Guide to Homesteading and Encyclopedia of Independent Living? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like looking through all of my little books here. But yes, I actually, um, I have done a video on the top favorite must-have homesteading books. Um, I joined in on a collab on YouTube and did it. And again, we have links for all of these that will be in the description. But yes, that is a great book. Um, it's heavy, but it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's a thickums. It's a thickums. There's a lot of them. So. If you go to a thrift store, see if you can find the Foxfire books. I, I remember seeing the Foxfire books when I was growing up and my mom made a big deal out of them. <laughs> And the people who had them made a big deal out of them. I was like, I don't understand what the big deal is. I understand now. So when I go to the thrift stores, and of course I can't find them because everybody's snagging them up. But look for those. And also, um, what is it? The, the Mother Mother Earth books that they used to have a periodical that used to come out like in the 70s and 80s. If you can find those in thrift stores, put those in a nice basket and put those next to your fireplace for reading purposes when you lose power and you need to get caught up on stuff or you're just having a quiet evening at home. There's a lot of great older books that have a lot of resources that we can utilize now. So um, thank you. I think we're having some great info on this live. Jesus. Yes. Thank you. That's very sweet. Thank you. You know, Casey's going to throw up um, our QR code. And I just want to let you know that if you are enjoying the topics here on round the hay bale, be sure to scan the QR code on the screen and you can download our previous episodes and so much more. We'll have all of that information there for you. Also learn more about our sponsor for the hay bale American crafted catalog, 
which began with one simple question. Is there a place to buy goods online from small farms and homesteads? The innocent question came from Brandy from Farm and Animals, and by the end of the day, the homesteaded community was at work. The ACC believe that working together as a community gives us a louder voice in the marketplace, and they are delighted to bring you the first edition of the catalog. For more information on the American Crafted Catalog, visit the QR code on the screen. So we are also super excited to announce our new sponsor. This is MySoilTesting.com. My Soil Soil Test Kit is a start-to-finish solution for the DIY and professional community. Their team has successfully combined predictive soil testing technologies with an easy-to-use customer experience that assists in improving soil and plant health while effortlessly guiding sustainable practices. Their goal is to guide users in perfecting their soil to grow the healthiest plants possible. To grab one of your own at-home soil tests, go to www.mysoiltesting.com. And use promo code MYSOIL22 for 10% off of your kit. Um, I'm just going to say that all of us, for those who are watching, all five of us hosts are going to be doing videos on MySoilTesting.com. We were graciously sent um, a at-home uh, test by Brennan and his team over at My Soil Testing. Um, and look out for those videos because they'll be coming out in the next week or so. And we'll do one on how to... Oh, well, Alicia's frozen, so hers may be a little <laughs> bit longer. Uh, but we'll also do videos on how to read the results because uh, looking into it, it really is a dumb proof way of letting you know what you need for your garden, for your lawn, for anything. I actually have mine right here that I'm just going to throw up. Um, it up. really is the coolest little kit. I, yes. know that I think me and Lisa are the two that have already shot ours. I think both of ours come out today, but it is it literally, I know nothing about what to put into soil, how to amend it. And it walks you through step by step by step of what you need um, and how to do it. So it's, it's a great little product. Well, I'm excited because we're all in different zones. I love the yes. fact that we're all in different zones and we're able to do this and, and show that it works no matter where you're at. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, they make it, you don't even need to think no, uh-uh. You really don't. And it even they have their own QR code too. So you don't even have to type in mysoultesting.com. I know. You get yours. It has a QR code that you just scan and it registers everything for you. It's the coolest thing. So thank you, Brennan and My Soul Testing for sponsoring us here at the Hay Bale. We are really, really excited um, to do it. Um, but I let's talk about patience. what we got. Because <laughs> mine to be oh, frozen yeah. for a while. <laughs> We're going to have school. Alicia like go out and dig in the snow. That's what we're going to have her do. Right? It would take a really big pickaxe. And I just don't know if I've got my, I can't, I can't put my back through that. I've got a lot going on there. <laughs> well, speaking about going on for Alicia, let's see what we got going on this oh, week. Oh, yes. Tonight, tonight is uh, Country Mama Musings presents another Country Mama quickie. Tonight, we're going to have Laura from the Hedgehogs Homestead. So that's at 930 tonight. Central Standard Time. Um, if you just want to pop in, we're just going to have this fun little quickie. It's a rapid fire interview. And then we stick around and we talk for a little bit longer after that. It's always a good time. We have a lot of fun. And also uh, this week I did a video on 
the scraps from your vegetables. You know, I did a video a while back making my sweet onion jam and Mike over at Marino's Mystery says, you know, Alicia throws away a lot of her stuff when she does these onions. It's like, I don't throw it away. Nothing gets wasted here on the farm. So I'm doing a video on this DIY Instant Pot Veggie Broth. It is delicious. So don't throw your scraps away. Learn how to make this veggie broth. You will thank me later. Saves you money. And then um, on Wednesday mornings, we always have our coffee chat at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. We get together. Uh, sometimes it's a pajama party. Sometimes it's just coffee. And we chit chat about things that are going on in the week. And also some stories. Um, I love to tell stories. So I relay like, you know, I'm a potential shark attack victim. So I tell you that story every once in a while. And then on Thursday, I have put together a nice video about my vision board and how my vision board led us to this farm. Uh, it was amazing how everything on the vision board came to fruition. So I share that story with you and hopefully it will help you do a vision board and you can come to fruition as well with some of the things that you want to do. So learn about that as well. Um, and then on Saturday, Papa Jim and I, we're going to have week six of our pinata stuffing. If you have not checked in with that, it is a lot of fun. We're stuffing money into a pinata for a random vacation that we're going to be taking. And hilarity ensues. We have a lot of fun with it. And there's innuendos and all kinds of terrible things. But we have a lot of fun with it. And not on uh, Casey's list, but I just did a video when it was negative 18 degrees and the wind chill was negative 31 we actually did the the boiling water test papa jim went outside with a cup of boiling water and threw it up in the air and we show you what happens so that's what will be coming up on my channel this week and on ormsby farm what we got this week is um Today, actually, after the podcast, is the video for our MySoilTesting.com um, unboxing and review. And it was actually very interesting because uh, we see how easily I do not read directions. Um, <laughs> but I'm learning. I'm learning to read directions slowly. Um, and then Tuesday, we got a watch-a-thon again. Um, our season two of our family's reality show being Casey. We're doing a watch-a-thon on Tuesday for this. This was our season that we actually got nominated for multiple uh, Streamy Awards, Webby Awards. This was our big, um, I guess, breakthrough, I guess you could say, for our family is when we started getting over 300, 400,000 views on our show and when we actually got producers and we were nominated for three awards. We were nominated for Best Web Series uh, in 2020 for Webbies and Best Actor for myself and for Ruby. We were all nominees, so we didn't win. Wah, wah, wah. Um, <laughs> but I will say that um, we have the trailer for season two since people have been asking. So we're back for a new season. I'm so, so, so excited. I know. We got one more day to work together. One more day. Yeah. So how, how are you feeling about your change in jobs? Are you ready for that? Tomorrow starts a brand new journey. This will be the first time that I've had the infusions and fusions that are like the real deal. So I'm heading now to a meeting um, for Kanoa Heights. I thought we were doing like something fun and I get in the car and we're on our way to confront some little bitch boy. Where do we go? Let's Casey, I'm not arguing. It's, 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 so it starts. 
Bobby, and it's a dark place. You're 30. You'll come out of it. I'm kind of like in panic mode. I need a job. Always encourage Casey to, to take this step. He took the step and started this program. Like, I just want the whole story. Just kind of see the, the history. I'm not sure if I'm going to have to buy a house considering him in it. Yeah. Boom, back up. Uh-uh, we're not doing this. Being Casey, Season 2, returns to YouTube February 2022. <laughs> so that will be our Season 2 comes out Tuesday. And on Wednesday, I'm back in the greenhouse at the farm. Um, actually, my friend Carmen at Jesus Loving Homestead um, sent me some amazing information on how to pack uh, your raised beds. Because, you know, I thought as a new homesteader, oh my gosh, I am doing these huge eight by 30 feet raised beds. How am I going to afford to fill up the raised beds with, you know, the pennies that I have in my pocket? And uh, she gave great information, so you definitely want to tune in for that video. Um, and on Friday, speaking of bread, I am talking about my ultimate favorite Amish bread recipe. I learned it from Andrea over at VW Family Farm. It is simple. It is um, dummy proof. And it is something that you should have in your bread recipe um, Files, I guess you could say, because it really is a great recipe. But I'm going to pass it over to my twin, Lady Boots. All right. Well, I want to touch on them them large raised beds. You need to find you a cotton gin if you got some near you, because, you know, all my beds are full of cotton gin, so my soil testing is going to be pretty fun to see what it says. <laughs> um, so tonight at 5 p.m. Central, we've got our Monday night live at 5, sit and chat. Steven's going to tell you about his first day at work, and we're going to see what all we've got going on. And then he also, okay, today we're going to do, hopefully today, fingers crossed, <laughs> I can get my video finished and get it out today. If not, it'll be tomorrow for the Three Rivers Pantry Challenge, and you'll see what we ate last week. And Wednesday night, Mr. Boots is continuing with his help desk. It is going to be um, a... Uh, live on Nightbot because he's got to set his up. He's going to walk through and show you guys how to set up Nightbot and answer any questions about that. And as always, Friday, I've got my Air Fryer Friday video coming out. Not quite sure what it's going to be just yet. And usually Wednesday and Thursday I have a video, but I, I'm slacking this week, so I'm not sure what I'm going to have out on Wednesday and Thursday, but I will do an Air Fryer Friday video. So that's what's coming up this week. And we've got a busy week on our channel as well. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, today, we air, it already aired this morning, our My Soil Soil Test Kit, which was really awesome, and we can't wait for the results to come back. Tomorrow with Mountain Grandma, oh, I'm sorry, I spoke out of order. Go back to the other one, Casey. There you go. Uh, homesteading hacks. So this is a new series of shorts that we're doing, just sharing tips and tricks for using items you have on hand and some other things that um, we have found that have been very beneficial to us because we notice a lot of folks are commenting on our videos saying, wow, I never thought of that. So we thought that that would be great to share. 
And tomorrow on our channel, we will be doing another session in the 7F goal setting series. And we'll be talking specifically about achieving financial goals with Gail of Coupon Gail. And that will be at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. We also won an incredible prize package for a giveaway from Grandma Prepper, and it consists of a lot of four Patriot items. So we wanted to share that with you because the products are absolutely incredible and we were blown away by it. And we also wanted to thank Grandma Prepper for that. Then on Friday, we will be doing our do-it-yourself Cracky hydroponic system. I've grown food indoors year round. Um, we got a little sidetracked with redoing this room behind me here. And so now we have our setup back up again and we are gonna start growing some food indoors. And last on Friday night, we will have our weekly live at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And that will be another open panel chat. So we look forward to seeing you there. Well, the Blands don't have a lot of thumbnails for everything that goes on during the week. So we have a Thursday Night Live every week, and we would love to see everyone there. We go on 8 p.m. Central, and this week we have Sandy from Suburban Homesteader, Wyoming to Arizona, who we had join us on this panel a few weeks ago. So we're excited to talk to her, and we will be dropping our B-roll entry contest video this week, which I'm super excited. Eric worked really hard on that. We don't have a thumbnail for that, but stay tuned y'all because I believe we're going to drop that Tuesday evening as a premiere. And I am super excited because not only are we entering that into a contest, but the video that's coming out will be our actual intro video to our channel soon. So I am super excited to share with you what Eric put together because it's amazing. I love it. Oh, fun. You know, guys, be sure to scan the QR code to find out about all of these wonderful events that we have going on. We have a busy week, don't we, guys? We really do. And you know what? Be sure to catch up on all the previous episodes on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. And wait till you hear about the special guests we're having next week. Next week on the Hay Bale, it is Mod Appreciation Day. So we will have our amazing producer mods, Brenda from Redbird Farm and Scott from Rambling with the Brooms. All righty, friends. Thanks again for stopping by the Hay Bale. Thanks again to Gray Man Prepping for joining us. And be sure to press that thumbs up and subscribe to join us every week. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, y'all. Thank you, Bye. Gray Man. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs> bye, y'all. Bye. That gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs>